a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. 137 is the time here in the KSL newsroom. I'm Lee Lonsberry, your fearless host here of this program. Uh, we are right now, as you check the 24-hour news networks and C-SPAN and uh, go on Twitter, you'll find updates of the impeachment trial against President Donald Trump. Currently, it is the turn of the impeachment managers to make their case against the president, and come Friday and Saturday, it will be the opportunity of the defense team to to make their case. Now, one of the questions that has been asked a number of times is what difference or, or what, what minds, whose minds will be changed by these presentations? And the truth is uh, probably none. There will be very few minds changed, if any, uh, after reviewing and watching this case play out uh, in the United States Senate. Why is that? Well, because we're pretty divided. Uh, We are right now a pretty divided people. You make up your mind and you follow your team and that's that. And regardless of what happens, uh, you're likely going to have your heels dug in pretty firmly. And uh, all that is happening right now, uh, you could argue, is pageantry. Not only people like you and me, but also the senators there. And, And what could be done to resolve that? Well, is there anything that could be done to to bring us back together, to uh, give us a better understanding of what exactly is happening here? Uh, what I'm getting at is have we somehow over the past number of years or uh, past number of decades or whenever you want to start counting, have we lost uh, have we lost a firm grasp on civic life and civics and leadership uh, here in this country? I don't know. Maybe so. Uh, That's all lead up to a conversation we're going to have right now with Representative Jefferson Burton, uh, former adjutant general of this uh, state. And he joins us now on the occasion of having introduced a a piece of legislation that would create an entirely new school for civics, economic thought and leadership for details on what he's calling for and more importantly, why. Uh, I welcome Representative uh, Burton to the program. Welcome to the program, sir. Yeah, thank you, Lee. Happy to be here. It, t- tell me about this legislation. W- what are you up to? And then I'll ask you why. Yeah, very, very good. Uh, so this has been on my mind for a very long time, uh, serving uh, in the military uh, across this great land, working with people from all walks of life. I- I've noticed, and I think it's uh, in the public record, many have noticed that there's a decline in the level of civics engagement nationwide, and this has been going on for a couple of decades. And I think what it's creating is not only some misnomers and misunderstandings as to uh, the, the science of government, but it's uh, leading us on, on a wrong path. 
And what uh, in your legislation, what are what are you creating? Well, the idea here is to create a school or a, or a department at a university level uh, that would uh, teach uh, the science of government. In fact, uh, it was President Washington that said the most important thing we can do is teach our youth about the science of government. And as we know, science and, and art come together when, when we're talking about uh, government. And my concern has been for some time that our youth are not getting a solid education, the fundamentals of a Republican form of government or, or representative democracy. And so the notion or the idea behind the legislation is this school uh, would teach very basic fundamentals of civics, of this government that we hold so dear, uh, so that uh, our youth have that solid understanding uh, of what it is that created the lifestyle that they enjoy, the freedoms that they enjoy. And uh, I think this is critical to their success in the 21st century. We've focused on STEM, and I would encourage us to keep doing that. But as we've seen slow increases in science and math scores, we've also seen uh, at the same time a decline in civics literacy. And that's what this bill is designed to do, is to get us back to those fundamentals. Could the could the themes and the courses taught in, in the school that you envision how could they po- how could they possibly uh, improve the situation in which we find ourselves today as specific as you're able? Yeah, I mean the the bottom line is uh, we need a research institution, uh, institution of higher learning, uh, to be established in the state, and it can uh, do a great deal to help with uh, top down uh, learning. Uh, right now, there are also initiatives going on in our K-12 through schools to help increase and improve uh, civics education for our youth. Uh, but I think it's critical with our learning system that it also exists at the university level. It adds credibility uh, to the, the program. It also adds knowledge base that I think we're missing out on. If you wanted to, to assemble a football team and no one knew how to block and tackle, you wouldn't be very successful. And the same is true in government. You can't engage a process that you do not understand, and I think this would help to uh, expand that understanding. You think you've seen that lack of understanding on display? Absolutely. I mean, right now, one in four adults cannot even uh, correctly name the three branches of government. And we also know that about uh, the percentage is about 19% of people 45 and younger can citizenship test the first time they take it. And the thing that troubles me the most is a Pew Research poll that says that less than 17 percent of people have any kind of trust whatsoever in government in Washington. And so for me, the bottom line is uh, more education is required, more dialogue, more civil discourse. We've forgotten how to uh, publicly disagree but not be disagreeable. And I think uh, a a higher education uh, department would help us to get back to that. Uh, your legislation calls for the establishment of this new school at Utah Valley University. Why there? Well, you know, I looked at uh, the, the, the state. This is our largest university. It's centrally located. And more importantly, they already have a school uh, or an institute or department of constitutional studies there. And it made a lot of sense to just merge these two. And so that was really the impetus behind Utah Valley University. Any idea what, uh, what an endeavor like this might cost? Yeah, the, the uh, legislation asked for $3 million ongoing to uh, to set this up. Uh, it's been done it's, uh, to different degrees. 
but what we found is that seems about the, the right number to get the program going, to get uh, faculty brought in. Uh, bear in mind, this is multidisciplinary, so faculty from other uh, departments can also teach in this department, thus keeping the costs a little lower. But that's the target amount now. And the important part of that legislation is this school or, or this department would have to come in each year and justify what they were doing to the legislature to ensure that the funding continued. All right. Uh, Representative Jefferson Burton, thank you so much uh, for sharing us with uh, sharing with us your legislation and your efforts here to create a new school of civics and economic thought and leadership at Utah Valley University. Best of luck to you. Thanks again. Civics is important. I agree with you 100%. Thanks, Lee. Have a good day. All right, you do the same. All right, we're going to take a, a break here in a moment. And as we take a break, so too uh, are the House managers right now presenting the case against former President Donald Trump. The promise they made before going to break was that they will next be sharing new evidence in the case against the president. Thus far, we've seen uh, a lot of video clips, a lot of tweets, uh, a lot of newspaper reports. Uh, what new evidence is there? We may be finding out here. Uh, momentarily. We'll bring you that information as soon as it's presented here on KSL News Radio. Quick break, back with more on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Right now, House managers are about to resume the case that they are trying to make against uh, former President Donald Trump. They are, are taking another one of their breaks. And soon we'll be back on the floor of the Senate. And the interesting thing that we'll be that we will be paying attention to, I can speak, we'll be t- paying attention to, is uh, a promise made by the managers as they were leaving just before the break, which uh, is ongoing right now, that they would be showing new evidence in the case against President Trump. Uh, no, no idea, no indication of what that new evidence may be, but it is a promise that has been made by the team of House managers from before even this stage of the trial commenced. They have assured uh, both the, the senators who are uh, who will be tasked with ultimately voting on whether or not to convict or, or acquit the president, and also us here as Americans. They've promised that there would be new evidence to show. And as I have asked the question uh, hypothetically to folks, smart folks like Boyd Matheson and others, uh, I say, is there anything, is there anything that could possibly come up during the course of this Senate trial that could change one's mind? And if you were to rely on the briefings that have been filed by the House managers and the responses to those briefings by the defense, uh, you, you get a pretty good sense of the arguments made thus far. But they are under no obligation to show their whole hand in those briefings. They are under no obligation to reveal to either the other side, to the senators, or you and me, Americans, what exactly they plan on presenting. And so it is that we very well may be exposed to something new here coming up shortly. Uh, they remain in their break. Uh, and I'll tell you what, I'm going to I'm gonna get back to the, the, the regularly scheduled topic here at hand. We're going to talk about some civics lessons, uh, but I'm going to keep one eye up on the Senate floor. And when the 
when the trial itself resumes and the House managers take to the floor again, uh, we'll listen and see if we can catch any of that new evidence they've promised. Anyway, uh, all right. Before the break, we had a conversation with uh, now Representative uh, Jefferson Burton, former adjutant general here in the state of Utah. And I got a, an interesting text message about uh, the conversation I had with Mr. Burton, who is right now, as, a, as an elected representative here in the state of Utah, He's working on pushing through a piece of legislation that would create a new school within the University of Utah, specifically focused on civics and understanding our uh, civic duties and how we exist here uh, in a society and how we may, uh, who knows, uh, seek office ourselves one day. Anyway, the text which comes in, uh, grateful to the work of, or grateful for the work of Representative Burton, it reads, I think that it is natural for people to become disengaged from civics as population increases. As populations increase, it is harder for individuals to feel like their voice is heard and they become disinterested. I agree. This is the text continuing. I agree that participation and understanding of civics is important. I like that Mr. Burton is trying to uh, find solutions to engage uh, more people. What do you think about that point? Is that possibly true? You think that as as our communities grow in number, as the state of Utah here specifically grows, grows and grows uh, to, you know, millions and millions or what, three point some odd. uh, And it's estimated we're going to maybe double that in the next few short decades. Do, Do you think that as you find yourself in a larger pool of people, your civic engagement uh, decreases. I think they may be onto something. Let me let me say this: here in Utah, we are a relatively small state in terms of population. We have a part-time legislature, and for that matter, the men and women who serve in both the House of Representatives and the Senate of Utah, they're very accessible. And for many of us, we recognize them in our neighborhoods. They may very well be our neighbors. And in some senses, they are quite literally our neighbors. And so we are able to approach them and talk to them and understand their personal anxieties. And through those conversations, we likely become pretty familiar with the process by which they do their legislative work. All right, there's one example. Oh, last point I'd make on the the state of affairs here in Utah. If you go to the website, the legislative website for the state, and you click down the roster of both the House and the Senate, you can find, like, their personal cell phone numbers. If you've got a question of a state lawmaker, you can go online right now, track down a phone number for them, and give them a call, and uh, most of them, most of them will pick up the phone. You'll have a conversation. And those conversations, I think, uh, contribute and participate to our civic engagement. Now, on the flip side, look elsewhere across this country. Think of New York or California. Many, many more people. Many more people. Full-time legislatures. Can you imagine tracking down a state senator in, in New York? No, forget it. Their constituencies are much larger uh, they, working full-time, are not uh, you know, keeping jobs like you and I keep. They may not be your neighbor, right? Uh, they're a different class of people. Here in Utah, for the most part, its legislature is made up of uh, the same class of people as you and me. And that may bolster our civic engagement. 
Uh, listen, I apologize for that tangent. Uh, we are still waiting on House managers to return to the Senate floor and resume their case against the president. Uh, the, the reason I'm really following things now is there was a promise made by the managers that there will be new evidence in this case against Trump. So when and if that becomes uh, something to see, we'll uh, bring it to you. But civics, if you remember a few months ago, we had some fun. Uh, there was a there was last legislative session. There was some questions about whether or not seniors in high school would be required to take the uh, the civics test. And so it got me wondering, um, could I pass the civics test? Could I pass the, the civics test? We talked about it here on the air, and, and that day, similar to the data shared with us just a moment ago by Jefferson Burton, we learned that uh, only 39% of all native-born Americans can pass the U.S. citizenship test or the civics test. Only 39% of all native-born Americans can pass the U.S. citizenship test. What do you think of that? Hmm. Uh, Here's what I want to do. We've got about 90 seconds left before it's time for a newscast. Uh, And uh, I'll remind you, we continue to wait for House managers who promise some new evidence in the case against uh, President Trump as they uh, they argue for convicting the president of the article of impeachment for which he has been uh, charged. We're going to continue to follow that. They're still taking a break. In the remaining minute we have in this segment, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to run through just a handful of the questions in the civics test. And we don't have any way to go back and forth, so you'll have to just uh, do this in your mind. I'll ask a question. I'll leave a pause for a a moment for the answer and uh, see if you can answer it yourself. And I'll give you the answer and you can find out if you're right. All right. First question, an appropriate one today. What is the supreme law of the land? What is the supreme law of the land? That's right, the Constitution. What is an amendment? That is a change or an addition to the Constitution. Uh, What do we call, this is a real easy one. What do we call the first ten amendments to the Constitution? The Bill of Rights. And last, what is freedom of religion? The answer, you can practice any religion or not practice a religion. Quick break, back with more here on KSL News Radio. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.